The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to our number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you for another hour to go. And whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, the FM side at 104.9, or if you've chosen to listen via the live stream, which you can find on ESPNTucson.com, we appreciate you tuning in to the live version of the show. And if you're listening at your leisure via the podcast, which you can download at uh, many, many, many of the uh, websites and locations and apps that you download your all your regular podcasts at, we appreciate you tuning in to that as well and choosing Tucson's only local morning sports talk show for your place for news, insight, opinions, whatever have you, entertainment. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I can be entertaining. I don't know. I think I'm, I, th- I think I'm hilarious, but uh, you know, other people may have uh, other options as well. But we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in here and uh, try to keep things legit and moving along here for you. Major League Baseball, the lockout occurred last night at uh, at midnight. What does it all mean? First of all, the difference between a lockout and a strike. This is not a player strike. This is a league lockout. The difference here is. When a strike occurs, it's basically the players saying that I'm not going to offer my services to you any longer. And it often occurs in the middle of a season. Of course, as we saw in the 1994-95 uh, strike that occurred with you know with the stoppage of the World Series and all that kind of stuff, players basically just walk off the field and stop playing. In a lockout situation, the owners basically put a halt to everything that's happening in the league. It happens while there's not being baseball played because they don't want to lose revenue uh, at the gates and for television contract purposes, and they basically keep the players from being able to make any kind of movements within the league. So that is why we saw two-plus billion dollars being spent like crazy over the last week and a half because, you know, guys like Max Scherzer, you know, Max even said, he's, you know, he's like, and, and Max, who is one of the more prominent uh, members of the Major League Baseball Player Association. He, Tony Clark is obviously the head of the MLBPA, but Max Scherzer, I believe he's the longest tenured veteran on the eight-man committee of the MLBPA. So very prominent member of the Player Association. He said that he signed that deal so quickly with the Mets because he wanted to make sure that the deal got done before an impending lockout happened. He knew it was going to happen. I think everybody knew that this was going to happen. That's why I wasn't really like, oh, is there going to be a lockout? I just kind of resolved myself to the fact that it was going to occur. And it did occur last night as the owners locked out the players. Now, this is the first labor stoppage since 1994-95, as I mentioned, the um, the player strike that caused the cancellation of the 94 World Series and also canceled games in the first month of the 1995 season. That one went on for a long time. This is the ninth overall labor stoppage in the history of Major League Baseball, but again, this is the first one in the last 26 years. So it's been a while since there have been 
uh, since there's since there's been a uh, labor stoppage. The other ones all occurred in like the 70s. There was like back to back to back years in the 70s uh, after the newly created Major League Baseball Players Association. The union was created uh, in the in the early to mid 60s. I think 64. I think is when when it uh, when it was originated. So there was some growing pains, and there was you know they're kind of finding themselves and becoming one of the most popular unions in in the country, uh, let alone just in in the world of sports. So what does this mean for the fan? What does it mean for you know, for for anything for that matter? Um, look, this is the the overall crux of this situation. The sticking points are all economic. It's all about money. This is this has nothing to do with player safety, like we often see in collective bargaining agreements in the NFL. It has nothing to do with certain abilities for players to move or accept longer-termed contracts like we see in the NBA during their CBAs. This is strictly about the money. Now, the current CBA, which had come to, a, uh, come to an end yesterday at 11.59 p.m., um, that current CBA was negotiated in 2016. That was a CBA that if if you ask uh, players, executives, anybody who covers Major League Baseball for a living, they will all tell you, and I mean all of them will tell you, that the owners absolutely won that agreement. They, they put the players over a barrel in that one. The players didn't have a whole lot of leg to stand on because the 2015 season, when, when you talk about like the overall salaries of the 2015 season – the 2015 Major League Baseball season experienced the highest amount of player salary in the history of Major League Baseball, probably in the history of sports is what, I, is what I'm guessing. Um, so the players, when they were like, we need more money, everybody was like, no, you don't. You just made more money than any group of players in the history of sports. You don't need more money. We're not going to to bow to your you know to any any of anything that you have to say. The owners completely won that agreement. Now, what they've done over the last five years after winning that CBA negotiation, they have completely twisted the market for for the improvement of their of themselves. What they have done in that amount of time is they've found new and inventive ways to keep players hidden in minor league baseball so that they don't reach uh, essentially landmarks or you know situations in their contracts or in their um, essentially in, in their in their lives depending on their age. They keep them in the minor leagues just long enough to where they can't reach arbitration at a certain age they're unable to negotiate free agency until they're in their 30s look at mike yastrzemski for the giants won't be eligible for free agency until he's 35 years old he's a young player but because of certain things that the giants organization has done with him over the years and the way that they have worked his eligibility and things like that he's First of all, he wouldn't he wouldn't even dare trying to to, uh, to uh, get into arbitration. Arbitration in Major League Baseball is a ninety percent to ten percent ordeal in favor of the league. The players rarely uh, win their arbitration cases. It's one of the I think it's I did a study on this like five eight five six seven years ago. I don't remember what it was. It was it, they have the worst percentage of player victories in arbitration of the four major sports. Um, the 
you know, the, the, the players are basically saying, look, we want to be eligible for arbitration sooner after our second season as opposed to our third season in Major League Baseball. We want to be able to negotiate uh, free agent contracts no later than the age of 29 years old. There are certain things in play where they want to be able to have more control over the money that they make, the contracts they sign, and when they're eligible to make that money. Because right now, players that are going into their 30s, they're 29, 30, 31, sometimes 32 years old, in Mike Yastrzemski's case, 35 years old, that are going to be negotiating their first free agent contract eight years after their prime. Now, Major League Baseball is different because, you know, NBA and NFL, your prime is early to mid-20s. Major League Baseball, depending on what position you play, your prime can go all the way into your early to mid-30s, depending on, again, which position you play. Um, So your prime years are a little bit different because it's a different skilled game. You know, the average Major League Baseball player doesn't break into the league until they're 24 years old. That would never happen in any of the other three leagues. It's all about being younger, faster, stronger, quicker, you know, all those things. There's a, it's a less uh, less of a skill. You know, baseball is more like golf in that situation. You know, young golfers, it takes them time to compete with the old guys. Um, you know, Major League Baseball somewhat similar in those situations. Here's the real problem that that as far as the fans go, and I'm, I'm going to speak for the fans here. I, I mean, I can I can talk economics and business all we want and bore you to death with all that crap, but this is really the most important thing that we're going to deal with here as fans. First of all, how long is it going to last? Nobody knows, okay? I can guarantee you right now there's not going to be anything happening for two months. There's no reason for either side to acquiesce over the next two months. There's nothing happening. They've already canceled the winter meetings, so whatever. By the time Valentine's Day rolls around, which is when pitchers and catchers usually report for spring training, is about the time you're probably going to start seeing some movement. So the next two months, forget about it. We won't even talk baseball. Nobody's nobody's going to be allowed to sign. Um, teams can make trades but not announce the trades. Like Teams can talk to one another, but teams cannot talk to players. So there's, there's going to be nothing happening. So this will be probably the last time we talk baseball until a new CBA is signed. Here's the issue that I have with Major League Baseball right now. And then we'll get into some of the ideas. And, and maybe I have some ideas on, uh, on some compromises. And look, everybody's got their, their thoughts. Everybody wants to play GM and make trades for their favorite basketball team. Everybody wants to you know, figure out the rules um, you know, for the NFL. Everybody wants to have their own type of playoff sis, uh, system for college football. Okay? I have the same kind of thing right now for how this CBA should be negotiated. But here's the, here's the real crux of the issue for the fans, and for Major League Baseball, for that matter. Baseball isn't broken, okay? I, I, there are people out there that say, oh, Major League Baseball's broken. Nobody, nobody watches the sport anymore. Baseball's broken. I don't think it's broken. But, and I will, I will tell you this from experience of talking to current and former Major League Baseball players, and this is within the last year that I've spoken to these people. They will tell you. Executives will tell you also. They would agree for, for, for one term. They will agree on this off the record. They will never say this in the public eye, ever, ever, ever. Unless maybe Trevor Bauer, you give him a microphone. He'll probably say it. He'll say anything. Players and executives would agree that baseball has become unwatchable. It's not broken. 
Not yet. But it has become unwatchable, especially when you compare it to their competition. And yes, I'm going to throw the NHL in there as competition because there are things that the NHL is doing right now where they're moving the needle. They really, they truly are. And I mean that. The NHL is moving things forward. And we'll get into that in just a moment. Let's start with the obvious. The NFL, NFL is king. It's the most lucrative form of entertainment in the United States. Uh, You could argue it's the most lucrative form of entertainment in the entire world. It crushes the music and movie industry as far as revenue goes. It crushes the video game industry as far as entertainment dollars go. It is king. Number one, it is the A-plus product in the world. There's no doubt about it. It makes more money. It generates more excitement. It is a year. I talk NFL on this show every single day. That is my promise to you. Do you know why? Because that's what the people want. That's what fans have wanted. I've been doing this a long time, folks. A long time. I learned very early, 20 years ago, I learned that if I don't talk NFL on a daily basis, even in the first week of June, people are tuning out. (laughs) Okay? If I, if I just neglect the NFL, people stop listening. NFL is king. A number one, there is no doubt. Okay? Baseball, unwatchable when you compare it to the NFL. Okay? NBA. Let me ask you this. In a, in a game, what many people would consider a meaningless game, I don't consider it meaningless because it was a division game, but most people would, would consider the other night's game between the Suns and the Warriors, a meaningless game. It wasn't a playoff game. It wasn't a post-Christmas game. It wasn't a game that determined immediate seeding in the playoffs. It wasn't even a game that featured uh, all of the superstars that both of those teams have on their roster. Clay Thompson, obviously, still injured from his uh, Achilles injury and Devin Booker having to sit out the final 35 minutes of that game. Would you rather watch the Suns Warriors in you know in that situation in a game in November based on what we saw the other night even though it was a low scoring game a defensive slugfest between those two teams or would you rather watch Cubs White Sox in a in a game in late August let's say that determines a lot of things <laughs> yeah you'd take the Suns Warriors right when you compare the two products unless you're a base unless you're just a complete seam head and a baseball diehard or if you're a, you know, an extreme diehard Chicago fan in that particular scenario, whatever, you, you, you may choose to watch the baseball game. 95% of America would say, give me that Suns Warriors again. I'll watch. If I had to choose, if I couldn't change my channel for two hours I, and I had to choose between those two games, I would go to Suns Warriors. Period. Which makes baseball even that much more irrelevant. Now, the NHL, as little brother as they have been over the years, the revenues right now in in the NHL are soaring. Gary Bettman announced uh, earlier this year, just a a couple of months ago, that he expects to generate more than $5 billion in revenue this season. $5 billion. That is a huge number for the NHL, who was generating less than $3 billion a year just seven seasons ago, $5 billion plus this year. They have secured deals with Disney, okay, ESPN. There's going to be 1,000 games a year 
on ESPN for the next seven years. That's going to pay close to $3 billion. Then they landed a seven-year deal on secondary rights with Turner Sports. That's going to have 1,000 games on Turner Sports. That deal paid them $1.6 billion. And the, uh, the, the Seattle Kraken, who are the, the expansion team in the NHL, they broke the NHL's sales record just last month for the amount of jerseys sold. They sold $1 million of merchandise during their first preseason game. $1 million of merchandise in the first preseason game that they played. And they shattered a jersey sale record for the first month of the NHL season. There are patch deals now starting to come in for the NHL. Uh, organizations and companies are starting to put logos and patches and sponsorships on on teams' jerseys. The Washington Capitals became the first NHL team to get that deal. They signed a five-year deal with Caesars Sportsbook. So you see the, the Caesars Sportsbook logo on Capitals sweaters now. In August, the NHL became the latest league to begin selling their, uh, you, you know, other ads on the jerseys. They, they gave some spots um, to, to other advertisers on their jerseys. They're moving the needle. They're making money happen. They're going to be $5 billion plus this year. It's going to be the richest the NHL has, has ever been. And I'll tell you this. Let's take a look at – I'm just going to open up one game, one game from last night. Let's look at this one. The Vegas Golden Knights were in Anaheim to take on the Ducks. It was 0-0 at the end of the first period. Final score of that game was 6-5. to There was 74 shots on goal in that game. There were 41 hits in the game. And there were three shorthanded goals in that game. This is just from a small slate of NHL games last night. Now I ask you, if you had two hours, you had to lock your television in for two hours, would you watch a game like the Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks had last night where it was back and forth, there was a lot of hitting going on, there was tons of shots on goal, three shorties, not a whole lot of penalties either. It wasn't like there were tons of guys. There was only 14 penalty minutes in the entire game last night. It was a ridiculously exciting game. It was what hockey is all about. Would you rather watch that, or would you rather watch the Cincinnati Reds take on the Detroit Tigers? You decide. Right now, Major League Baseball is unwatchable. And that's not just me saying it, folks. I'm friends with many former and current Major League Baseball players. I have... I've been lucky enough to have a very close friend who played in the Chicago Cubs organization for many years, made a lot of friends, one of the most likable guys ever. And uh, he has introduced me to a ton of, of people, including Max Scherzer. He's a great guy. Very happy for Max. I hope the players get what they want in this collective bargaining agreement because it's their time. I will also say this. If you look at the last, let's just look at the last three CBAs, the last three CBAs that have occurred in Major League Baseball. I think most people would agree, people who cover the sport, play the sport, whatever, most people would agree that the owners have won each of those three CBAs. And what has happened during those last, I think it's 14 years, I think those, those three CBAs have occurred in. They've all been very, very short negotiated years. What has happened in the last, let's just say, 15 years of Major League Baseball? It has gone off a cliff 
folks. It has taken a massive dive, not only in revenue, but in popularity. There are no longer television networks climbing over one another to get the Major League Baseball game of the week. The MLB, uh, like the MLB package, like the, you know, the, the, the uh, subscribable package that MLB offers, is now no longer the, in the top two as far as packages go. NFL is number one. The NBA League Pass is number two. And the NHL season pass is nipping right at Major League Baseball's heels. People aren't subscribing to the Major League Baseball network anymore to get those games that they want to watch. There's a lot of reasons why. And I have some, I have some ideas on how Major League Baseball can wrestle their popularity back. They have to do it soon, though, because unwatchable quickly will turn into completely broken. And once it's broken, it's going to take decades to fix. Major League Baseball has to get on this right now. If they do not understand just how important it is to get this thing right, and I mean right now, they're going to lose it. And I don't mean it'll go away, but they will be financially so far behind the eight ball that it will take them decades to recover. The Morana Police Officers Association is holding a Stuff the Cop Car toy drive. It's going to occur on Saturday, December 11th. It's going to be from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Walmart on uh, Cortero, just west of I-10. They're going to be collecting clothes, shoes, and toys for all ages of uh, you know all ages of, of recipients. You can also donate cash if you like as well. It's going to benefit the Arizona Children's Association to help kids in the Marana and Tucson areas have a more happy holiday and a more Merry Christmas. For more information, you can go to ESPNTucson.com and uh, be in the spirit of giving this time of year. When I return, my thoughts on how Major League Baseball can go from unwatchable to palatable because you have to win small before you win big, right? You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, so what can Major League Baseball do moving forward? To make this work for the fans, because, I mean, honestly, that's who it needs to work for next. It needs to benefit the fans next. And both sides are climbing over one another, one another to try to get that extra penny uh, that they feel that they, that they have earned or that they deserve or whatever have you. Again, if you read through, and I'm not going to go through them all, if you read through the, uh, the stipulations and the, the, the things that both sides won. I'm in, I'm in favor of the players this time around. Now, in 2016, I was in favor of the owners because I felt the players were getting too big of a, of a chunk and it was getting out of hand, and there was no chance for a team who couldn't spend $200 million on, on payroll uh, to, to break through. This has gotten, it's gotten completely out of hand now. The owners have manipulated so much of the system, whether it be through analytics or just through hiding young players in the minors until they can't become mathematically eligible for arbitration and or free agency. Therefore, they can continue to lock up guys for, you know, for small amounts of money. 
and they can compete because of the analytics. Look, there are a few things that I think these you know, these two sides should compromise on. Um, number one, I think the luxury tax threshold, it, it look, it either needs to, it needs to lessen considerably or it needs to go away completely. Here's the problem. There are teams, you know, I, we laughed about it earlier in the, in the week that Max Scherzer was going to be making more per year than three teams were going to be making out in their payroll. They were paying out in their payroll, $43.5 million a year was going to be more than three teams are paying their entire 25-man roster. The reason for this is, look, teams can tank, okay? If you don't feel like you have a, 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 you know, a great team put together or if you just have an ownership that doesn't really give a crap about winning, all they want to do is make a profit, a la the Bill Bidwill situation uh, with the Arizona Cardinals in the 70s and 80s and on into the 90s, where it was because the revenue sharing allowed him uh, and the television dollar sharing allowed him to make a profit without putting a winning product on the field. He could be, you know, 10 to $12 million under the salary cap, save money in payroll, and make a ton of money just doing the bare minimum. Major League Baseball teams have started employing that same tactic. The problem is it's not just one team. There are several teams who go in the tank who know that the th- uh, the luxury tax, it's not the – it's not necessarily the revenue sharing of, of television dollars, and, and yes, that is mighty, but it's the luxury tax threshold. Teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox that spend all this money every single year that are paying a luxury tax back to the lesser teams that are keeping these teams afloat. So, for instance, the Cleveland Guardians, the now Cleveland Guardians, their 2022 payroll was scheduled to be like $39.5 million, Okay. So payroll is down. They were going to receive nearly half of that in the luxury tax threshold from the teams who are paying luxury taxes, from paying uh, you know more uh, you know, more money for their for their payroll and for their salaries. Half of it was going to come just from that alone. Not to mention the television revenue, gates, you know, all the things that get sold by the team. Now you're talking about a maximum profit with a minimum effort. And, I mean, look, if you're running a business, sure, that sounds like a great plan. We can put in minimum effort here and make maximum profit. How wonderful does that sound to you? You want to start a business right now doing that, uh, that business model. It doesn't work for entertainment, though. And it doesn't work for those 25 players who are stuck languishing in that franchise and because the owners have manipulated so many things into their favor, can't get out of it. They're completely handcuffed. They can't get their arbitration. They can't claim free agency. They can't force a trade because even if they stop playing well, the owners don't care. We'll get 68 wins. we got enough analytics that will get us to 68 wins. That's got to stop, okay? Uh, in my opinion, they need to lessen the length of the season. We've talked about it for so long. Fans are like, fans want the season taken back a little bit. I think they should drop from 162 to 142. Take 20 games out of the schedule. There's eight months of Major League Baseball. People don't care because a game in March or April feels the same as a game in August or September. They really do. When you watch the game, you're like, ah, okay, well, we'll get them tomorrow because we play again tomorrow. It's The season needs to be shortened, period.
and that will help with some of these other, uh, you know, these other stipulations. Players will be getting more per game. There will be less acquiescence having to occur from the owner's side, yada, yada, yada. There are other things they can do just to improve the game. Uh, you know, the designated hitter rule, that's going to happen. Um, in, you know, the, in a, the, there's going to be the, the universal designated hitter. Um, I think that they should – listen, I'm old school. I hate the DH. I absolutely hate it. I think you should only be able to play the DH as long as you're starting pitchers in the game. How about that? Maybe, just maybe, we can inject a little more fun strategy into this game to get the fans involved. What if your starting, starting pitcher has given up five earned runs in five innings? It's a 5-2 game, okay? But your DH, who leads the league in home runs, who's playing DH because he can't defend anything, is coming up third in the inning. Wouldn't you say, hey, can we keep the starting pitcher in for a chance at our number one hitter to hit a three-run bomb and tie this game up? Then we can get rid of the starting pitcher. We can move into the bullpen, and we can find a position player or uh, you know pinch hitters for that DH spot who gets knocked out as well. I I love that little spin on the DH. I think it injects a lot more strategy into the game, which is what baseball is. It's a, it's a, a strategic game, it's a chess match between two managers. I think it's a great idea, personally. I have some other ideas as well, and look look into it yourself. Think about. You know, if you're a baseball fan, and I certainly am, uh, think about some of the things that you would like to see in Major League Baseball, some of the changes you would like to see occur. Hit me up on Twitter, at UAZ Voice. You're always welcome to, uh, to join me there. Share with, with me your, uh, your opinions on, um, on just about anything. I mean, look, we talk all kinds of different stuff here on the Jeff Dean Show. Major League Baseball lockout is a big one, and uh, it may postpone the season. I don't think it will. I think both sides will come to an agreement at some point before uh, before March 1st. That's just kind of like my little prediction. Basketball fans, you can celebrate the NBA's 75th anniversary season on FanDuel Sportsbook because right now new customers can place a risk-free bet. It's risk-free up to $1,000. Jump in big, man. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, it's the perfect time right now to give it a shot. There's lots of NBA action going on, and it's super easy to use the app, easy to register. You can use Venmo. There's fast withdrawals. You get paid out in – look, you're going to get paid out. If they, they claim less than two hours. I get paid in like five minutes. <laughs> it's quick, man. Um, there's lots of promotions that they send you once you get signed up, and the live betting during NBA is a lot of fun. If you have a player that you're following maybe on your fantasy team and he's getting hot, you can jump right in and and put together uh, you know a wager on that as well. There's all kinds of fun stuff to do with the NBA. It's a, there's no better place to bet the NBA than on FanDuel. Tons of stuff going on. And if you're already a FanDuel Sportsbook member, great. They're going to be hooking you up with the Refer-A-Friend program. When you refer a friend, your friend gets 50 bucks. And you get 50 bucks. All you have to do is use the exclusive referral link. You can find it on the app. It just says uh, refer. There's a little refer icon there. And uh, refer your friends, and you can get 50 bucks in your bank as well. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Sign up using my promo code DEAN to get your risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over and present in Arizona. First online real money wager. Only refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342. More of the Jeff Dean Show next right here on ESPN Tucson. 
Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. If you're someone who likes to party, like me, or like the, uh, the characters on the movie Hot Rod, I like to party. Sorry, just a movie reference there. It's a funny movie. You're going to want to get involved with the Arizona Bowl Bowl Bash. It's presented by ESPN Tucson. We present the Taco Bell New Year's Eve Downtown Bowl Bash. It's going to be occurring immediately after the Arizona Bowl, uh, the football game. It's going to be in Tucson's Times Square. going to be at uh, con- right there at Congress and 5th Street. It starts at 6 p.m. It is free to get in. Free. There's multiple stages with music. There's going to be, uh, you know, a kid's zone, the Southwest's largest pinata. There's going to be inflatables for the kiddos. It's free entry into the train museum. If you've got a kid that's into trains like my nephew is, hook them up. There's games. There's face painters. And for the, the big kids, there's food vendors. There's a beer tent and a huge taco drop at midnight. Then we're going to ring in the 2022 New Year with a fireworks display right off the roof of the Hotel Congress. For more information, go to ESPNTucson.com. But it's a New Year's Eve party uh, immediately following the Arizona Bowl. I, get, I was talking to Mary during the break. I'm like, I still have like an hour and a half, two hours of content here, and I have 12 minutes to get through it. Uh, let's talk some NFL because, uh, look, I, I promise that t- to talk NFL every single day, and that's what we're going to do here because the Thursday night football game tonight – pitting the Dallas Cowboys, taking on the New Orleans Saints in this game. The Cowboys, five-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Um, look, it's kind of a situation right now where, you know, anytime you're missing your head coach and, and several of your, your members of your coaching staff, it's hard to quantify what a team is going to do. The Dallas Cowboys will be traveling to New Orleans tonight without head coach Mike McCarthy, without their offensive line coach Joe Philbin, without their assistant offensive line coach Jeff Blasco. They're also going to be traveling without one of their right ta- without their right tackle, Terrence Steele, because all of them tested positive for COVID. And they are going to be away from the game. Dan Quinn is going to step in as Dallas's head coach. Obviously, he has plenty of experience. He went 43-42 and 42 during his time at the helm of the Atlanta Falcons. So it's kind of unsure what the Cowboys are going to do in that, how that's going to affect the Cowboys. I personally think there's going to be a little bit more of a conservative approach from the Cowboys. Now, they're going to be facing most likely Taysom Hill at quarterback. Trevor Simeon has started all four games since Jameis Winston's uh, season-ending injury versus Tampa. They have lost all four of those games. Now, granted, he hasn't had his full complement of offensive stars. They don't have a deep threat to speak of. Alvin Kamara has missed the last three games, and the offensive line has been really, really banged up. So I'm not going to put it all on Trevor Simeon. But they're going to hand the ball off to Taysom Hill tonight, put him under center, and see what else he can do because they, they need to do something to re-energize that offense, which is just absolutely gone in the tank. Now, the Cowboys lately have been really bad in the passing game, in, on defense at least. They've been giving up 262 yards per game. They're 27th in the NFL in pass defense. Now, they've created a lot of turnovers, thanks in large part to Trevon Diggs, who has eight interceptions this season. Uh, and has been a real spark for them defensively. And 
you know, one of the things that I think that the Cowboys are going to try to do, look, Micah Parsons, I've talked a lot about him. I mentioned him before the season began. I felt like he was going to be the, the overwhelming favorite to win the defensive rookie of the year. You can hand him the damn trophy right now. Like, that award is the Micah Parsons Award for 2021. That guy is ridiculously good. They have found themselves not only the best linebacker in the 2021 draft class, but maybe the best edge rusher in the 2021 draft class as well. His win rate on pass rushes is third in the NFL as a rookie. He has been remarkable. I think they're going to try to put a little pressure on Taysom Hill, see if they can test out that bad foot that has kept him out a lot of games this year. Now, offensively for the Cowboys, speaking of bad wheels, Ezekiel Elliott, who uh, suffered that, uh, that bruised knee against Carolina earlier in the season, has really started to see a decline in the amount of attempts that he's been getting running the football. However, they've been throwing, throwing him the ball a lot more, which is kind of strange. Um, obviously, Tony Pollard has stepped in really, really nicely for them. He is fifth in the NFL in yards per attempt at 5.3 yards per attempt, and I like their ability to run the football. However, they're going up against one of the best defenses in the league in the New Orleans Saints, which is you know strange to say, a team that we are just so familiar with as being this electric offense. Defensively, they have been stout all season long, specifically against the run. There are some people that may be thinking that this is a game that the Cowboys are overlooking because two of their next three are against their closest opponent in the NFC East in the Washington football team. However, with Dan Quinn at the helm, I think he's going to be extremely focused on getting this dub for Dallas. Now, when you look at the overall outcome of this game, um, if I'm looking at the uh, if I'm looking at the the numbers correctly, let me bring it up here. Just I had it just a second ago, and of course my phone went into safe mode. Uh, la la la, forty seven and a half over under. I think this game comes in the under. Both of the uh, I think Dallas is going to be somewhat conservative on offense. I think they're going to be more aggressive on defense, which I think is going to cause problems for New Orleans. The current line is Dallas minus five and a half. What you might look at doing is taking the Saints plus the five and a half. I think it's going to be a close, low-scoring game. Uh, take the under, and then if you you know if you want to put together you know some kind of a parlay on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, look for an individual point score or a, like an under yards passing or something like that uh, from one of the two quarterbacks. Things like that. If you want to you want to spice it up a little bit, but look, I think I think the Cowboys win the game. I think it's going to be really close. Players hate playing in these Thursday night games, which usually results in lackluster effort, lackluster play, and I think it will affect the scoreboard as well. I think it's a low-scoring game. I think it's a close game, maybe something like a 19-17 or a 21-17 you know, kind, of, uh, kind of win for the Cowboys. But I like the Cowboys to uh, kind of break this little – uh, you know, this little rut they've fallen into to move to 8-4 and four on the season and take command of the NFC East. And then, of course, we'll have a full breakdown of the rest of the Week 13 games coming up for you tomorrow on uh, on Friday's show, including the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Chicago to take on the Bears and some of the other big games going on in the NFL. We'll have those for you. I'll have my, uh, my Friday 5. Yes, the Friday 5 comes back. It's going to be the college football 
uh, the, the conference championship version of the Friday Five. So we'll have that for you, plus my NFL lock of the week, which I'll have for you as well. And uh, I'll have to d- dig through a whole pile of papers to find my record because it's been a while since I've, uh, I've looked through some of that stuff, but I'm sure I've got it here readily available. Because, uh, you know, I'm old school and everything for me is uh, is pen and paper. All right. We're going to take a time out. When we return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Wrap things up with some NFL talk. We'll talk some more uh, Wildcats tomorrow as we prepare for their, uh, well, what hopefully will be their first Pac-12 game of the season as they head up to Corvallis to take on the Beavs. And uh, Oregon State having a very lackluster start to their season uh, coming off of their deep run in the uh, unprecedented uh, and unexpected run in the uh, NCAA tournament last year. But we'll have a full preview for that uh, tomorrow, as well as a lot of other things, a lot of football to talk tomorrow. I want to give a shout-out to the 2020 draft class, uh, the NFL draft class right now, though, because when you look at the sophomores, okay, we'll call them the sophomores of, of the NFL this year, the list is so strong with good players. Justin Herbert. Uh, Joe Burrow, Jonathan Taylor, Justin Jefferson, just to name you know a few of those guys. You've got Jalen Hurts, uh, you know other running backs like DeAndre Swift at Detroit and James Robinson for the Jaguars have been really good. C.D. Lamb, of course, with the Cowboys. Michael Pittman with the Colts, who is a, a nearly unstoppable beast. The Bears have found themselves a really nice threat in Darnell Mooney over the last several weeks as well. Yet a couple of good tight ends in that draft. The on the defensive side of the ball, of course, Chase Young, who has been phenomenal. Derek Brown, uh, in uh, the um, uh, defensive lineman for the Carolina Panthers, been one of the best run stoppers in the NFL this year. Antoine Winfield, whom I love, uh, I loved watching him at Minnesota, and despite his uh, diminutive stature, I knew he was going to be a player in the NFL, and he certainly is. He can play. Um, his sophomore season here with with Tampa has been fantastic uh, for the uh, for the Buccaneers. You also look at some of the other guys, like of course Isaiah Simmons with the Arizona Cardinals had himself, uh, you know, you know quite a uh, quite a sophomore season here. Um, you've got guys like Bryce Hall, cornerback of the Jets, who's having a great year. Christian Fulton for the Titans, really really good football player. The 2020 draft class. Is really has really turned in some superstars, and I mean superstars between Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Okay, two of the better up and coming quarterbacks in the league. I don't see any reason why they will fall off. Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and and uh, James Robinson. To me, all three of those guys are feature backs who, outside of you know type career ending type of injuries, will continue to perform and put up big numbers uh, in the NFL. We all know what Justin Jefferson can do with the Minnesota Vikings. We've seen CeeDee Lamb and Michael Pittman uh, uh, have tremendous games and have a great year. Look, there are superstars in this league. Chase Young now, okay, you know, has had a a difficult time this year, okay, obviously the season-ending injury just a couple of weeks ago. 
but we all know what his capabilities are. We know how strong, how fast, how unique, how much of a freak he is and how much of an effect he has on football games. There are a long list of potential superstar, mega, mega superstars in that 2020 draft class. I just wanted to kind of give a shout out. It just kind of occurred to me that that the 2020 class was really showing out uh, this year in their sophomore seasons. And finally, a provocative statement by Brent Musburger, who's the uh, play-by-play radio guy for the uh, for the Las, uh, Las Vegas Raiders. He says, I told Coach John Gruden, of course, uh, that whoever took you out was a paid assassin. That was one of the best hit jobs I've ever been around. They didn't go to their media goombas. They didn't leak this to Adam Schefter, one of those guys that break stories. They went to the Wall Street Journal, and then when Gruden was still coaching after that, they dumped the rest of it on the New York Times. That was a professional hit job that ended John Gruden's career. Interesting and provocative statement there from Brett Musburger. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Congratulations to Mark Eastless, our winner of the tickets. And, of course, thanks to Mary back in studio for keeping us all on track here. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6, live from the Native Grill and Wings. And I will see you guys again tomorrow on the Jeff Dean Show right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.